Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, November 26, 2023. Coming to us live from Florida Media in Rockville Center. Another stupendous episode of Hockey Night New York coming up tonight. That's right. Mike Morial of NHL.com will be joining us to talk Devils, to talk a little trade. How convenient. With that. Yes, indeed. So we got a nice little show coming up for you. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Stefan Rosner. Stefan, how are you? I am fantastic. Still. Sky high. Look yes. at you. Life is good. Did Life you have great. a nice Thanksgiving? I did. Turkey was fantastic. Actually, UBS Arena fed us before for the game on Wednesday. Turkey was phenomenal. Really? Like, better than... Any stuffing? Oh, turkey, stuffing, mashed Stuffing's potatoes. Stuffing's my favorite. Um, sweet potatoes with okay. ma- uh, marshmallows on okay. top. It was, um, it was fantastic. Sounds like you had a lovely holiday. Yeah, you? Yes, it was very nice. Good. Let's, be- <laughs> right, let's so begin. Let's, let's continue before we dive in. Want to be want to remind you guys that we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Satisfy your hunger at seven nineteen West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and two seventeen Carlton Avenue in. East Islip, check out bluelinedeli.com for the menu and to order ahead. Also, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. And also proud to be sponsored by Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law, ready to fight for you. Check them out at razorandkniff.com. That's R-A-I-S-E-R-A-N-D-K-E-N-N-I-F-F.com for a free consultation so once again with the pleasantries out of the way a positive week if you look at the numbers Stefan 2-0-1 after a long losing streak so the Islanders got it together a little bit obviously still a little bit of adversity that we'll get into but coming off of the the stretch they had previous you gotta be a little satisfied with a 2-0-1 week right I think the most important game of the week was Wednesday's win over the Flyers I think they finally snapped the skid with the shootout win in Calgary and you know, all the players were happy about getting on the plane, going home. But if they had lost that game Wednesday, it's like doing the uh, salsa. One step forward, one step back. Like, losing, snapping the skid's fantastic, right? But if they lose the next game, then you're, you're right back where you were. And I think, sure. again, looking at the standings and how there are a lot of teams in this division struggling, you just got to get points. People don't want to hear that. They want to win these games. They don't want to have to go to overtime, shoot out, whatever it is. But these are the points that matter, the ones early in the year. And they always say that the teams that are in a playoff spot come Thanksgiving, usually how it works out. But in this division, like, you get hot. And right now, the Islanders went from a seven-game skid to a six-game point streak, and they're right back in the thick of things. Yeah, it's weird how all of a sudden <laughs> you can turn those overtime-slash-shootout losses into positives once they're attached to some wins, right? So now, all of a sudden, a six-game uh, you know, point streak, as you say, and they finally get a couple of wins that aren't in a shootout. They actually get some leads, hold on to some leads. They do that against Philly. They do that against Ottawa. So, again, against teams that aren't necessarily expected to be at least in the playoff picture when the season's over. So, still, the competition's not exactly you know where you can really set the bar for the Islanders and say, okay, they beat some tough teams this week. But a win against Philly, a win against Ottawa, obviously a little bit of a letdown last night, uh, not getting a goal. Past, uh, past the backup goalie from Sam Philadelphia, Sam Erson. Of course, uh, one of uh, the Islanders' well-known kryptonites. You're bringing a, a lesser-known goalie. I think he only has 20 games played on the season. Uh, sorry, on his career. Second career shutout. 
Second career shutout. Yeah. By yeah, the one. way, both goalies got shutouts, but um, yes, but <laughs> yeah. they couldn't even put one past them in the shootout. Like he, he not only in. not only during the first sixty five minutes, but they couldn't get one in the shootout either. So this guy stonewalled them. Uh, maybe a little bit of a victims of of having the back to back. Maybe a little sluggish. Lane seemed to be a little happy with the way yeah, they played. Maybe really we can talk happy. about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was talked about. You know, the compete level was there. I mean, you looked at all the minutes. Again, we're going to get to injuries in a second, but the amount of minutes that Dobson logged, like 800 minutes over the last two games, right. like 60-plus minutes. He's playing on his offside because of the injuries. Yeah. I mean, again, this was a top four that played a ton of minutes in back-to-back games. And again, the Flyers were also in a back-to-back, but the Flyers played at 1 o'clock against the there Rangers. So a little mm-hmm. time to relax and sure. breathe. I don't think the schedule sure. makers made it really fair for the Islanders this week. It just didn't mm-hmm. make a lot of sense. But yeah, I think that, you know they were really sloppy last night but to get a point in that kind of game and again Sorokin we'll get to him later but to steal you a right. point which is something that sure he's made game saving saves throughout the season uh, no of he course, had some but, big ones last night but he stole yeah. a point that's a huge point yeah without question so yeah again it's 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 strange at least for me looking at it from a fan's perspective it's like yeah 2-0-1 that's nice but I guess like the manner in which they did it and the, the competition that they had like I still feel a little lukewarm about it you know like I'm still waiting I'm looking forward to next week when we get into what's on tap we'll talk about it more but they actually have some teams that yeah. are expected to be there at the end of the season in the top 16 of the, of the league so you know I think next week's going to be a much bigger test it's going to be on the road too but look you try to pull some positives out of this they, they had a long streak they they killed it it looks like lane lambert's job is safe for now obviously he's sticking around they they get off of that streak and and, and it's looking pretty good so i know you have some quotes here um i know cal clutterbuck obviously he reaches that thousand game milestone on wednesday he gets celebrated last night they had a nice little ceremony brought out his family gave him the silver stick actually gave his kids some silver yeah. sticks too that was pretty cool so yeah it's 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 hard to believe but uh cal clutterbuck has hit a thousand games uh, all-time hits leader and and uh, what a career he's had so far. It's kind of crazy because this is a guy that, again, with how much he physically plays the game, the hits, the injuries he's had. Right. To get to a th- I mean, there's guys that get to a thousand games that are pure sc- goal scorers. Right. Like, the way he in- plays the, season. the game, <laughs> it's it's kind of incredible. I think what, what sucked about it is that Martin was hurt and he didn't get to yeah. be out there. He was part of the ceremony um, because he's the one that brought the flowers out for Cal Clutterbuck's parents. Right. That was probably cool, and he'll probably say I was I was a part of it. Um, but obviously, you would have liked to see Martin Sezikis Clutterbuck. Yeah, had to figure that Martin wasn't good enough to go. Exactly, because if he was, he absolutely would have been in the lineup. They even started Cal's line to start the game. And Fashing was out of the game, which means right. it wasn't like Fashing was. I mean, I thought Fashing was playing well enough to stick in, but clearly there was a move made, so something wasn't up to par. Lambert said it was um, to get a fresh body in, but. Fashing's under 30, so to me, it didn't make a lot of sense. But talking with Cal, he's not an emotional guy. And after that game on Wednesday, mm-hmm. I asked, what was it like when the, the fans gave you the standing ovation, Channing Clutterback, and this is what he had to say. It's nice, you know. Um, I've, uh, I've said it before. I, I've been treated with nothing but um, respect uh, since I got here, and uh, they're, uh, they're a passionate fan base. I'm, I'm very appreciative of their support of myself and my family and, and my game. And, uh, you know, I really uh, I've gone out there the last 10 years to try and give it everything I have uh, in large part for them, for their team, uh, for our team. And uh, that's just kind of how I approach the game. So it was nice to get uh, get a little recognition for that. And you saw how emotional he was during the ceremony, too. And again, this is a guy that's. Sure, he, he's emotional when he's you know, laying hits, scoring goals, the celebrations. Sure. He chirps, apparently. He's got one of the best chirp games in the league. Mm-hmm. 
But just to see him get caught up in a moment, Clutterbuck kind of let his guard down a little bit, which is great because oh, you want to see that. I looked up at that scoreboard, and it looked like he was fighting the tears back pretty heavy. I saw him wipe I don't want to speak for Oh, you did? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. It looked like he, it was hitting him pretty hard, which is great. I mean, look. I mean, that's the dream, right? I mean, not only you pour your heart and soul and into into this from from the kid level up and, and he makes it not only makes it to the NHL, he has an impact on the league and he he's a hits leader and he gets to a thousand games. I mean, that's that's the dream right there. And Andrews Lee made a huge point about this that he's changed as the games changed. A guy like that, a lot of guys that were playing that kind of physical game mm. kind of died out. At times, if they didn't adapt, they probably found themselves out of the league pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But Cal find a way to, you know, play within the rules. He doesn't, very rarely does he get in trouble for a dangerous hit. He plays the game the right way, so that was really cool. But going back to just the week that was, the positives you want to point out is Corfer 5 on the penalty kill. Yeah. Again, that tells you one. That Step in a better direction. The penalty kill will play better, but also more discipline, which was clearly a need. Right, right. Five, five penalties over the course of three games is pretty acceptable. And then they had... A third period lead twice and won both of those games in regulation, which is huge because not only did they not blow it, they won the game in regulation. Did the Ottawa game get a little crazy with the amount of goals that were scored in the second? <laughs> yes. And then, you know, going to a shell in the third, sure. But again, they they were hit with some ridiculous circumstances for that one. So again, the Islanders found a way to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, last night, chances to score, you fail. Chances to score in overtime, mm-hmm. you fail. Nobody scores in the shootout, which seems like a, a broken record at this point. But I guess the positives are that you're seeing a lot some of the issues that were killing them on that losing streak are getting fixed. That's the point right there, is that these were questions we we literally asked last week. Are these yeah. going to be things that continue throughout the season? Because obviously not sustainable. Obviously they'll find themselves towards the bottom of the standings if they do. So they finally get a turnaround there. The question now is can they continue to play this improved play, whatever you want to call it, for the for the long haul here, for the for the rest of the fifty five to sixty games that they have in the se- sixty two games that they have left in the season, right? So I think that's what we got to find out, and we have to find out if they can do it against better teams because it's one thing to hang on to leads against the Flyers and the Senators, it's another thing to do it against the Devils and and the Canes, who they have failed to do twice already against each of those teams once each already in the season. So that's kind of something they can look back on and say, if we get a lead on these guys, we got to do a better job of holding on to them. Yeah, we'll we'll speak to Mike Morial about yes. it. But like last night, played the Devils. You you can't be taking the amount of penalties they took in that game. For sure, that just can't happen. So yeah, it's uh, this is a big week for them for sure. So we got a couple minutes before we break from Mike. Why don't we talk about the injuries? Obviously, yeah. that game uh, against uh, Ottawa midweek was tough. They they lose Aho and Pellick right off the get go. Based what three and a half minutes yep. into the first period, they end up having to play with four D. You noted before you have a couple guys playing thirty minutes plus, and they did an outstanding job to kind of manage those minutes, clamp it down get the win, but more importantly, let's talk about the status of Adam Pellick and Sebastian Aho. Yeah, so we spoke with Lou Lemmerle last night before the game, and for Adam Pellick, it's long-term IR, right. which means the Islanders can't accrue cap space, but what they can do is now they can go over the cap by Pellick's contract, $5.75 right. The earliest that he can be back is December 19th. Now that's, again, if he's healthy. It's looked like a wrist injury. I mean, he screamed in pain, and this is a tough guy like Pellick who doesn't really react, so... You think it's bad. We're not doctors, but he was holding his wrist and he got hit along the boards pretty hard for him. So that's that's a huge loss because the record with Pellick out of the lineup um, and in the lineup, regardless of how Pellick's been, because you could argue and say Pellick hasn't been himself mm-hmm, maybe over the last mm-hmm. year and a half. He had the injuries last year. It's still right. a fact that he's kind of the glue that holds this whole entire structure together, even if the structure's been up and down with Lambert. he He's pretty much the glue, so we'll see how they do without him. For Ajo, he's still being evaluated. He went into the boards hard. 
Not sure what the injury is, but mm-hmm. um, Lou doesn't think he'll be out as long as Pelic. Now, okay. that can mean two things. One, Aho maybe avoids IR, or mm-hmm. Aho's out long. It's just not as long as Pelic is. That's That would be a big loss. Even if you agree that Aho hasn't been the greatest defense when he's falling down a lot. Again, this guy that has NHL experience that that's fi- was finding his game over the last year plus. Yeah, no doubt. And they've always, they're already being proactive about adding some depth. We'll talk a little bit more about it after we speak to Mike. But that being said, I think the onus really now is, I mean, obviously the whole defensive group as a, as a you know, as a core, as a whole, but I I kind of tend to focus now on Dobson and Romanov. Yep. They're the younger guys in the squad. They're going to be asked to play more minutes now. Can they step up in those roles now? Can they? We showed it, we saw it in one game, but can they do it now over the course of however long Adam Pellick is out and potentially how long Ajo is out where these guys are going to be given more responsibility We've seen a little bit of shaky play for Romanov. He's, he's had some good games. He's had some poor games as far as the defensive end of things. I mean, they all have on D. Um, Dobson's obviously looked a lot better. We've noted that over the course of the season. But can these guys, you know, still be responsible on the backside of things when they're getting, you know, more minutes each night? And it's kind of crazy to think of a couple of years ago or even last year where Dobson was a mess defensively, couldn't really trust him. Now they're trusting him with over around 30 minutes a night, back-to-back nights on mm-hmm. his offside. Right. He played on the left last night with Mayfield. That's, I mean, he played that a little bit against Ottawa just because he had to. Yeah. But that's not his natural spot. So the right. fact it's kind of crazy, and kudos to him for earning the trust where they could have chose anyone to play on their off wing, and they chose Dobson. So that just means they trust him in that moment. Yeah, for sure. All right, folks. Well, I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Mike Morial of NHL.com will join us. If you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss Bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. And join us right now from NHL.com is Mike Morial. Mike, thanks a lot for joining us, man. How you doing? All right, guys. How you been? Thanks for having me on the program. Yes, absolutely. And the timing couldn't be more perfect. Not only the Islanders playing the Devils this week, but they happen to make a trade together. So we can talk about all of that. Let's just start talking about the Devils. They've been struggling late. 3-7-0 in their last 10. They do get the uh, the big win last night against Buffalo to kind of lift their spirits, I suppose. Nico Heischer gets back into the lineup, too. A goal and an assist. But a 7-2 drubbing against the Sabres. So what's happened in this streak recently for the for the Devils where they've been struggling? Yeah, it's it's been kind of odd. But I think, uh, you know, early in the season guys you know the team was doing okay I think this was something that a lot of devil fans expected or at least I expected entering the season when you know we put together previews for dot com on three questions that should be asked prior to the season for for you know all 32 teams and I'm um, handling the devils and you know that the top two questions for me was you know how is the defense going to gel right how is it going to come together after the losses of Ryan Graves and Damon Severson now 
you know, some might say, well, Ryan Graves, you know, playoff wise and the playoffs wasn't that caliber that he was in the regular season. But let's face it, he he ate a lot of minutes, blocked a lot of shots. You know, he threw the body when he could, got the Devils to where they were. And Severson, you know, as that veteran D-man was able to eat those minutes, block shots and and, and, and hit a few guys as well and, and chip in offensively when he could. So how are that how is that defense going to come together with, you know, Luke Hughes, a young rookie coming into the to you know to the scheme here and uh, the coaching staff you know really thought that Kevin Ball who really started to come into his own last season at the the tail end of last season would kind of fill the role that uh, Ryan Graves provided for the Devils so that has taken you know a little longer than expected and then on top of that you had the injuries that came around Nico Heischer's injury uh to start off then you had Jack Hughes going down Timo Meyer uh most recently Tomas Noshek uh, one of their top uh, offensive defensemen uh, out there as well. Um, you know, he's been out a few games. So the injuries coupled with the lack of defense, the goaltending has been a little suspect too, guys. I mean, that was another, Yeah, that was number two on the list for me as far as questions that needed to be asked was, you know, how are Vitek Vanacek and, and Akira Schmid, uh going to come together as, as a tandem this year after what we saw last year? Um, obviously, Schmid you know, played such a big role in the playoffs for the Devils in the victory over the Rangers, the seven-game series. But uh, how are they going to c- come together in an 82-game regular season? Who is going to, you know, have the bulk of the, the workload there? And it's been, you know, mediocre at best, uh, you know, during that streak and with the injuries. So he sure comes back. You know, we saw some good signs, uh, you know, Saturday night against the Sabres. Uh, for the first time this year, believe it or not, the the Devils on home ice actually held a lead after the first period on home ice this season, um, you know, on Saturday night. So that was a big thing. They dominated play. I think they outshot the Sabres 18-2, 18-3 in that first period. Uh, obviously, the presence of Heischer back in the lineup helped them big time. Hey, Mike, thanks for joining us. Just want to ask you, you talked about the defense and goaltending. How much of the goaltending issues is because of the defense. I mean, for the Islanders, obviously, with it's Sorokin and Varlamov, there are a lot of games where the, the stat line might be a little awkward for the goaltending, but it's really just the defense allowing high danger chances. So how much of the goaltending struggles has been on the D? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the D because, you know, I, I got to say, Steph, you know, you know, Ruff likes to play that team defense type of concept. And it's, it's no different than really any other team and what the Islanders, you know, want to do as well in front of Sorokin. Uh, they want that team concept where, uh, you know, you want two, three guys by the puck, hounding the puck, whether it be offensive zone, defensive zone. Once you get the puck in the D, they want that transition. They want it quick. They've got fast skaters, so it's got to be quick, tape to tape. But that wasn't the case here. What was happening, I think, for the Devils mostly was they were still trying to make that home run play, even though they didn't have some of these top high caliber players in their lineup, like the Myers and the Jack Hughes uh, and the Nico Heischer, like, and it was very difficult for them to to do that. Uh, and, you know, it led to some breakdowns in the in the defensive end where you saw a lot of odd man Russians. I mean, during their losing streak, guys, it was it was re- ridiculous how many two on ones they were giving up, uh, three on ones, odd man rushes in, in their own end. They couldn't get out of their own way. And it was uh, it was something that was baffling Coach Lindy Ruff. It was obviously upsetting him. To the point that when questions, you know, started to be asked about, you know, the connect, uh, connectivity between the team, uh, you know, where is that team, that defensive concept with the forwards getting back and and helping that it wasn't there. 
it was the same old questions, you know, night in and night out being asked of Ruff and, 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 and the coaching staff there. So they seem to have gotten it together, or at least for one game Saturday night. You know, we'll see where this takes them. But, you know, I got to say, too, like every so often, and you you guys know this, it's like when it, when a team is struggling, every so often your goaltender has to bail you out in certain instances. And um, in this case, because both Schmid and, and, and Vanacek you know, have been playing average at best so far this season. Um, we weren't getting that that big save, you know, that game turning save. Now, Schmidt came up with some really a really good effort in a loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets um, on Black Friday, and then Vanacek came back Saturday with with the win. He didn't get a ton of work, but he did make some big saves and big moments of the game in the first and and, and the third period too. When maybe just maybe Buffalo was trying to make a swing, so. You know, Steph, I, I agree with you. You know, defensively, there were a lot of breakdowns. And when you're not, you don't, you know, you don't have that confidence. That goalie doesn't have that confidence to make that big save. They weren't getting that as well. So, you know, it, it was just one thing on top of the other for the Devils. But Saturday was a good indication, if 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 any at all, that maybe things will, will, will be turned around here. Well, Mike, with all that in mind, you know, just looking at the numbers, uh, I mean, both goaltenders above three goals per game, goals against average, both uh, sub 900 on the save percentage. And do you think that this is a position that GM Tom Fitzgerald might be actively looking to improve as the season goes on here? Because it looks like that might end up being their Achilles heel when you look at all the firepower. And and I guess once the defense gets gets itself together, like you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, there have been a lot of rumors about that. Uh, You know, will... You know, come trade deadline, will Tom Fitzgerald be looking for another goaltender? It's it's a tough. He's in a tough spot right now, right, guys? Because do you make the deal now? Obviously, he has faith, uh, and he's and he said so uh, at the start of the season uh, in both these goalies. When he has a healthy team, you know, can these goalies come around and just play good enough, make some critical saves and critical moments? Uh, of games when the team is healthy. Now, no one anticipated Hughes going down and Heischer going down, Meyer uh, going down. So I think right now it might be a wait and see to see what happens when these players come back and and, and if that defensive mentality that Ruff likes to, 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 to employ with his team. Obviously, look, you know, the Devils are one of the fastest teams in the league. They go deep as far as four lines go. Um, they're good down the middle of the ice. Uh, but you know, when it comes to defense, I mean that, that that's been an Achilles here for the Devils. And as I said, Saturday was a, was might have been a, a a game where they seem to have turned things around. Maybe we'll go up on the upswing. And you know, when you get a defensive forward, a guy that potentially could be as you know, um, and and he was uh, last season a Selkie finalist and, and Nico Heischer back in the back in the lineup, that helps tremendously. And and it certainly showed in, in the game on Saturday. But um, Will they look for a goaltender? It's still, I think it's still a question mark. Personally, come trade deadline, if the Devils are maybe five, six points out of uh, out of a playoff spot with the lineup that you have, the roster you had, I, I can't see why you wouldn't go out and maybe try to get a goaltender, um, you know, as your number one heading down the stretch and into the playoffs. Mike, how has Jack Hughes looked since returning from the injury? I know obviously to start the season, he was, he was a man on a mission, but how has he looked to you? He's looked good. I mean, even in the in the loss step, uh, you know, on, on, on Black Friday to Columbus, he had eight shots. He, I believe he had like 12 shot attempts. He hit the post twice in the third period. Yeah, he's just 
I guess he's a little bit snake bitten. He got an assist on Saturday against Buffalo, so it snapped his uh, two-game pointless streak there. But, you know, Jack Hughes is a driver. Yeah, I mean, you watch him skate. Um, I, I don't see, you know, there's nothing in his game that I that I see since he's come back from the injury that's, um, you know, kind of setting him back or he doesn't look sharp in certain areas. I mean, he gets upset as anyone else uh, uh, in that locker room. I mean, when we spoke to him after, you know, post game after the Columbus loss, um, we were getting like, you know, we're lucky we get four or five word answers to every question. But that's that's the mentality of Jack Hughes. That's the compete in him. You know, that this kid wants to win in every way. And, you know, when he was asked about the losing streak at that time on Friday, um, he said, look, we're doing a lot of talking right now, but we need to step up our game and start playing. Never mind the talk about, you know, we need to play, you know, this way or that way. You just need to go to the, you know, go in the game, get to the rank and, and do what you you know you need to do to, to win a hockey game. And that's the mentality he has. I, I, I think Jack Hughes, obviously, guys, is, and you know this, he's an elite player in this league. I've seen nothing that have sold him. Now, obviously, he couldn't maintain the pace he was on. But I believe there's going to be a, 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 you know, it'll probably be a point now, now with Nico being back in the lineup, where he'll be able to pick it up again, no doubt, uh, and be the player that we know Jack Hughes can be. Yeah, it's amazing uh, what that family has been doing this season in the <laughs> NHL. Uh, we're talking to Mike Morial of NHL.com. So, Mike, let's pivot to the trade that was made today, the Islanders and Arnaud Durando to the Devils for Tice Thompson. Don't know how much you've been able to watch the Utica. I know he's been spending most of his time there, but you got a scattering report for us on uh, Tice Thompson, brother of Tage? Yeah, yeah, guys. I mean, I- I've watched Tice a lot. I followed him, you know, all through, you know, his draft eligible season. Real good hockey IQ. He's a, you know, his great ability to make plays doesn't really do any one thing special, but he, he's a workhorse. You know, he'll do what the coaches tell him to do. I think he needs to improve his strength a little bit and, and maybe his shot. The skating is good. The compete is good. He'll need to improve his play in his own end to play for, you know, Lane Lambert coach team one day. Still, you know, maybe that fourth, that third line type of grinder role to start off. Uh, if he were to make a, you know, his debut with the Islanders in the NHL, had five assists in 15 games uh, with the Comets this season. He's a native of Calgary. Uh, was never, never afraid to be aggressive in, in all three zones. When I watched him, his draft eligible year, and um, you know th- those few games training camp, he had a real good training camp with the Devils. You know, part of the Devils strategy was always to apply constant puck pressure, and Thompson did that at times uh when given the opportunity he was he was an effective defender uh a four checker and showed some of that you know offensive flair that uh you know fans knew that he was capable of providing obviously he's got that pedigree too guys right with tage uh over in buffalo uh i don't think he's ever going to be a tage thompson uh but he has that pedigree and, and 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 he knows what tage was able to do and how he was able to be successful uh, and obviously, he's getting good advice as well. So I, I think I think uh, there's a there's a pretty good decent ceiling for Tice Thompson. You know, I've liked what I've seen in him when he was here with the Devils. I think the Islanders uh, will like what they see as well. When you see a trade like this for just an AHL or for an AHL, what is what does that tell you? Because it sounds like Tice could have could have been a solid bottom six guy. I guess what does it tell you? Maybe there's an area of need the Devils wanted, or was it a situation where? Tice wasn't going to get a chance with the Devils. Like, what goes? I guess when you see those kinds of trades, what goes into that? Yeah, that's that's a good question, Steph. But you know, when I when I the first the immediate 
thing that went into my mind when I, when I saw the trade was just a need for a need. Um, and, and Tice wasn't really going to get that opportunity with the depth that the Devils have uh, in their system and what they have at forward right now uh, on on the big club. But the thing is, is I, I, I think the Devils were in need of a player of a Brendan Gallagher type and what they acquired here. Um, uh, you know, a guy that's going to be aggressive, not overly physical, but a guy that's going to be aggressive. Um, and he'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have him in Utica. And if they need him at a certain point, I don't know if it's going to be this season or next, but, uh, they'll be able to utilize him in the, in the areas and the schemes that they want. And for, and for the Islanders, I think Tice is, you know, Tice is a guy that another one of those hardworking players that the Islanders need, and maybe that bottom six role because of, you know, what they have uh, up front on the top, uh, in the top six. And maybe they're looking for someone, you know, obviously they want depth uh, in the middle six or bottom six. And, and I think Tice Thompson can do that. So I think it was an, an exchange of players that have, you know, two players that, you know, are different in their styles and the way they play the game. But I think they fit the systems for what these teams want to employ and how they want to use these guys. Well, Mike, last one from me. I just want to pivot to this Metropolitan Division. What do you make of this division outside of the Rangers up top? It looks like at least through the first quarter of the season here, a lot of middling teams that, you know, you had, you know, Carolina and New Jersey were kind of expected to be the elite teams out of this division. They've been struggling here in the early going. They'll probably get it together in some way, in some way, shape or form down the line. But what do you just make of the competition, this division? You have a little bit of a surprise from Philadelphia being up there. Washington might be playing above expectations right now. Where do you see this all going with the with the way these teams are kind of just, you know, bottled up in the middle there? Yeah, it's crazy, right? I mean, we all make these predictions, and then we just got to toss them out the window, right? When, when the regular season starts up. I know we're only a uh, quarter mark through the season, but I think everyone could have expected the Rangers were going to to be in that mix, and sure enough, there they are. You know, they've, they've won three straight. I believe they're on a three-game winning streak again on top the Metro. Uh, and the Hurricanes as well. Hurricanes were – Hurricanes, my team, to, to reach the Stanley Cup uh, this year, in fact. But uh, – um, you know, the Flyers, a big surprise, and, and Tortorella has those guys going. Um, I know they won recently uh, 23 points in 21 games so far, so they've got a plus six as well. So, you know, most of the teams, with the exception maybe of Carolina guy, guys, you know, you look at the teams and you would anticipate that, you know, teams with the goaltending, usually when, when you look in between maybe trying to match two teams or three teams or four teams, against one another it all comes down to goaltending right the the equalizer to every facet of this game and, and with the rangers of course you know shesterkin quick played really well when shesterkin was injured so you had that dynamic there carolina's you know getting great defensive play probably some of some of the best you know the top four top six d guys uh in the metro and with the hurricanes and what they have and the Flyers are getting some great goaltending from Carter Hart and, and, and some of the young guys over there as well. The Caps, uh, the Caps as well. I mean, they're just playing a good defensive style game because, you know, when you look at uh, what Ovechkin's been able to do, he's been limited this year. But defensively, they got a new structure under the new coach and they're playing really well. Um, and the Islanders are in that mix at number five, of course. So um, it is a division that from top to bottom, I think it could switch. You know, in the middle of this season, I, I it could be entirely different. I, I do like yeah. the Rangers <clears throat> and what they've you know been able to showcase uh, this year. I, I still like Carolina. I think if the Devils can get healthy, get it together, and get the goaltending as we talked about earlier, 
they'll be in that mix as well. And guys, I think I was, I'm not sure, but I think I was the only, uh, you know, uh, full-time staff writer on, on the dot-com staff that actually picked the Islanders to, to, to earn, earn, earn and qualify for the, for the playoffs this year. And I believe that because of the fact that they, they had Sorokin in that. And I'm still going to hold firm to that because and I know they're eight, six and six right now. I know a lot of Islander fans are, are wondering what this team is going to do. There weren't any major moves that were made in the off season, <laughs> but maybe it was a good thing to stand pat and see what they have. And maybe there's a move up Lamarillo sleeve that, at some point in the future, besides the one that we just saw with, with Thompson. But um, you know, this is going to be a competitive division all the way through. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously Columbus up and coming, struggling a little bit. They've got some great young players in that lineup. Um, I watched them on Friday. I think, uh, you know, with Zach Wierenski on the back end, they got a stalwart, stalwart defensive, the defenseman back there. Elvis Merzlikens is really coming into his own this year as well. So um, it's going to be a stacked division. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what happens down the stretch here. And, and, you know, let's see, let's see where everyone stacks up at the midway point. I'm sure uh, we'll have a whole new top five uh, at that point, guys. <laughs> For sure. Well, Mike, awesome breakdown. Awesome stuff. Really appreciate your time tonight and uh, have a great rest of your Sunday, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Mike. You appreciate got it. Take it. care. All right, folks, that was Mike Morial of NHL.com breaking down the Metro for us, breaking down the Devils and uh, giving us a little scouting report on Tyce Thompson. He's great at what he does, and he made a great point with the one-for-one is a need. People look at Durando and say, well, you know, maybe he wasn't going to be anything more than a bottom-six guy, but I guess we might as well get to the trade now, is Durando played four games last year for New York, and the first thing that stood out was how aggressive he was, but his stick placement. On the forecheck, but he would hover the opponent's blue line. Right. Stick out like this, he'd pick off plays. He was really smart in that regard. When he had the chances to score, he just, he could not. And then this year at camp... He really came in with the mindset of, I'm going to make this team. Whether you want to believe that any prospect had the chance to make it, sure, who knows. But he thought he was ready for the NHL. He got into some preseason games. He played with Barzal and Horvat, And there was one scrimmage towards the end of camp where he got a chance with Barzal and Horvat in the scrimmage, missed a couple of grade-A chances, mm-hmm. and that was it. Like You went from, wow, Durando, is, if he doesn't make the team, he's the first call-up for sure, mm-hmm. to, yeah, he's probably not. Goes down to Bridgeport. He's been a healthy scratch a lot. And I, I guess not that he had an attitude issue or that he wanted to leave the island, but I would say there was probably a part of it where he, not that he was pissed, but I should be in the NHL right now. And I do want to read out a quote I have handy in my uh, hey, pocket Hey, yeah, there. sure. Go I spoke it. to him on October 1st okay. uh, and he had this to say, I know what I did last year and I think I can play in the NHL. If it's with the Islanders one day or another team, I think I'm ready for that jump and hopefully it'll be soon. Now, again, he was a healthy scratch often. It sounds like, I'm not saying he requested a trade. I don't know that. I did try to reach out to his agent, didn't mm-hmm. get a response back. Um, but it sounds like a, a trade, an opportunity for Durander to get more minutes in a, in a different role that the Devils do need. And with Tice coming back the other way, Brent Thompson's son, Tage's brother, he doesn't have the height that Tage has. No one does. Um, <laughs> but again, a workhorse. And we hear like the Islanders have too many bottom six guys. But eventually the bottom six in the Islanders, especially the fourth line, is there's going to be jobs up for grabs, maybe as soon as next year. Yeah. Um, but if anything, he helps. This is a Bridgeport team that struggled to just bear down. And I mm-hmm. think, again, obviously the Islanders know the Thompson family well. He This Tage, uh, not Tage, excuse me, Tice is from Oyster Bay. That's where he grew up. He played for the Junior Islanders. Um, so this is probably a little cool for him, too, to go back to the Junior sure. Not that the Junior Islanders are 100% with the franchise, but it is the travel team here. It's a high-level high, high level travel team. So this is probably a really cool opportunity for him. 
Yeah, a little coming home party for him. We'll see how it works out. I don't know if he's going to be slotting into the bottom six anytime soon. No, but maybe not. barring but, yeah. some injuries, the guy gets a chance. But And just a final note on Durando, coming off a 55-point season yeah. last year in the bridge. But, yeah, maybe some frustration set, settled in. You, you talked about being scratched. He only had four points through 12 games. And, you know, maybe you look at that and maybe he was looking for a change of scenery. I don't know how much, you know, a GM is going to listen to an AHL guy and say, okay, sure, we'll get you out of here. But maybe that had something to do with it. They make the swap because, I mean, this kind of came out of left field, at least for me. Yeah, and I guess what this kind of tells you is that, not that the Islanders are where prospects go to die, but Durando's <laughs> not young. Right. 25, like, yeah. this is a situation where the Islanders put money to bottom six guys, and there, you know, there wasn't any room for Durando, but, I mean, there, there certainly was if you thought Durando was the better player at camp. Like I said, throughout mm. camp, you were like, oh, like if if Clutterbuck's not healthy enough, or if Martin's not healthy yeah, enough, yeah, Durando might win this job, or even the bottom six where his fashion Wallstrom was hurt. Sure, like wow, Durando he was playing in our eyes. Obviously, he was playing that well, and I think it's a situation where the Islanders want to go with their veterans there, and maybe Durando thought, or just in general, that you know there's no chance for like we said, there was no chance for a prospect to really make the team. And that's got to be a lot frustrating for a lot of the prospects where you could play as good as Durando did. And for him, he probably thought he deserved the chance to at least be an extra forward yeah. outside of a Godier and didn't get that chance. So now the question becomes, are there prospects in the Islander system? For example, you talked about workhorse. I always bring up Maggio being a workhorse. Mm-hmm. Guys like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, all right, they might be ready for the NHL, but if the Islanders don't have a spot for them, they're not going to get that chance. And I think for Durando, maybe, maybe it did get to him. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I guess we'll never know. Or maybe he'll be interviewed when he goes over there. and He'll let us know. But that's the deal. But the uh, Islanders are also active on the waiver, mo- waiver wire. They saw yes. the injuries to the defense, and they pick up Mike Riley. Uh, he played two games for Florida this year, minus two rating, two penalty minutes. Didn't get into a lot of action with Florida so far this year. Uh, 12, 86, and 98 in 341 career games. How much will this guy help? Obviously, a bit of a depth pickup, but how can he help the Islanders? Vital. Because the one, the two things here is the experience, which is why what Lou said was, he goes, not that we didn't trust anybody in Bridgeport, but over 300, around 340 games compared to 10 or 20 or 30, what the guys in Bridgeport have, again, he's a, the bigger thing is he's a puck-moving defenseman, which means even though Pellick wasn't a puck-moving defenseman in terms of carrying it up, it's the quick thinking in the D zone to get the puck up, to help mm-hmm. the transition game. Now it's only Dobson really transitioning. It's only been Dobson. Riley has the ability to bring the puck up. I thought this was a guy a couple of years ago. I mean, this guy's played for like five or six teams. We get on yeah. waivers multiple times a year. Boston put him on waivers, I think, like every other week and twice on Sundays. That's how <laughs> much he was available. And you thought, okay, the Islanders should just do it. And with Pellick being on LTIR, that opened up more cap space. And Matt Martin, who is retroactive on IR, which means mm-hmm. I think is the 15th. He come back whenever he's healthy. Lucid, that was made. He put on IR to make the roster spot to bring on um, Riley. And I think Got for it. Riley... He's got connections. Shout out Isle Stottle on Twitter because he did the research and tweeted this out. But Riley played with Fashing at Minnesota College or whatever, University of Minnesota for Minnesota State. One, okay. one of those Minnesota A school colleges. in Minnesota. He did play with Parise on the Wild. Now, Parise is not here, but he did play with him in the Wild. He okay. played with Pajot in Ottawa. Okay. Romanov in Montreal. He hmm. played in the Beauty League where Ennersley, Brock Nelson, Fashing over the right, summer. Right, right. He's been coached by Adam Oates, which is Bo Horvat's trainer okay. over the summer. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. He's, he's got some friends here. He's got some friends, <laughs> but again, like again, the experience was the biggest thing, which what Lou said. And I think this is a guy that could really help. For, he's not going to be Adam Pellick, but the ability to transition, we talk about it, the best defense is probably offense. So the more time the Islanders could spend going up the ice, probably will <laughs> help. And again, last right. night too, is you had 
Samuel Bolduc, who struggled mightily with the puck on his stick. And you had Hutton, who I thought stabilized it mm-hmm. as much as he could. Right. Um, and, and good for Hutton. Again, I spoke to him after the game. I mean, he missed a lot of time last year. So to get back meant a lot to him because he did play a couple of years ago during the COVID year and a couple of games. So, and he was stable. Like, he didn't stand out, which is always a good thing, which means he didn't do anything wrong. But I think I think Bolduc kind of hurt himself last night. This is a huge opportunity. One game, yeah. which is sometimes all you'll get to prove it. And if anything, he kind of became not unplayable, but he really couldn't go out there. He was just struggling too much. So now, who knows what that means for Hutton, but... Riley is clearly going to be in there over him. Yeah, it's pretty fortunate for the Isles that Riley ended up on waivers. I mean, that's a no-brainer. you got to yeah. scoop him up, especially with the points you're making about Bolduc. And, and we've been talking about him since the season started where, you know, however, whatever promise he might have shown last season, he's kind of, you know, backtracked a little bit. He's probably just thinking too much out there. But 100%. he just doesn't look ready. It looks like he's he's very uncertain with the puck. As you said, he had a rough outing there last night with, with Hutton next to him. So I think it's, it's great that Riley was available. They can bring him in. He's... He's been in the league for a while. He can add a veteran presence back there, and hopefully, um, you know, he he can you know help out while these guys are out. Now, what I didn't look at is is he a left side or right side left, defenseman? Which he is, is a left side. Left, Perfect. Okay. Left side defenseman, which obviously fills a major need. Now everyone right. could say, well, why was Hudden recalled yesterday? Why did Dobson play? Well, the fact was that Riley wasn't getting there in time. Riley right. came to Long Island today, right. so we'll the Islanders do practice tomorrow. That'll be our first you know, taste of seeing what Riley's all about. Get to talk to him after the game. Talk to teammates that played with him. That's at least my MO for the hockey news. But, um, <laughs> yeah, again, I think this is a it, – it worked out perfectly, the timing. And that's what Lou said. It was the timing worked out with the injuries and the fact that he was on waivers. And it's a million-dollar cap hit, which is not a lot. And, again, when you have that extra cap space now, you might as well use it now. Yeah. I know we saw a couple of questions brewing, and we'll get to later about, oh, the Islanders just go make a trade now. They have $5.75 million in space. <laughs> right, right. Which I agree with right. if Pelic was out for the year. Because once the playoffs happen, if the Islanders make it, the cap doesn't work. The, the problem with that is right. Puck's going to come back. Right. This it's, is not it's, season ending. So. It's not an added amount of salary for the rest of the season. Yeah, so yeah. however much they bring in in order to activate Pelic out of LTIR, they have to have enough cap space to do that. So right. you don't want to, I mean, sure, you could trade people out, that are here that have yeah. cap and do that. But again, other teams are going to know you have to move cap, which makes it a lot more expensive to move a player. Right, for sure, for sure. All right, well, before we dive into our next segments, we definitely got to talk about the Islanders at the quarter mark here. Yep. So let's do that. 20 games in here, 8, 6, and 6, 22 points. Uh, going into the games today, this probably changed. I think Carolina played earlier, right? But they were in a three-way tie for third place in the Metro at one point. Uh, they were, what, a point from second place and also the second wild card spot. Again, that may have changed earlier. But eight, six, and six through twenty games, they're still in the mix. They're certainly very much in the mix. Uh, my my big concern here for this team still, and it, and it, it's kind of fascinating to me. I don't, I can't recall. Not that I I keep this sort of thing in, in mind, but I can't recall a season where the Islanders went a quarter in and didn't beat anybody of yeah of stature. Anybody with any claim to the playoffs, and that and that even goes to like the the years where they were bad. Like, because every now and then you get a bad team beating a good team, right? Whether it's yeah. Arizona beating Toronto or so-and-so. You know what I mean? The Islanders, you know, years ago beating, who knows, I don't know, Chicago when they were one of the better teams. Whatever the case. But even as whatever they are this year, they haven't beaten one playoff caliber team. And it's an issue for a couple of reasons. <laughs> a, a, because they, they can't baseline against any of those teams. We can't say, oh, well, they, they were good against Carolina. They were good against Jersey. They lost those games, right? But not only that, but a, a big part of it is they actually just haven't had a lot of scheduled games against teams like that. And the fact that they haven't beaten any of them yet 
kind of has me really waiting to see here because that means they're going to be stacked more towards the latter part of the season. So yep. that means the competition is getting tougher, right? They've played the Phillies. They played the Ottawa's. They had a game against Columbus. They lost the game to Detroit. But again, all of their wins have been against teams that at least before the season started, weren't expected to compete for a playoff spot. I think the only asterisk right now is Washington because they've been playing better and than Philly? we expected. Well, them too. <laughs> no, but yeah. but I, I mean, I would expect Philly to drop off before Washington, Probably. right? But Washington's up there a little bit. That might be their most impressive win if you just look at it from a standing standpoint, right? Which is scary because... Are they going to be able to compete with these teams later in the season? That's what I'm most worried about for this team because they really haven't shown us, you know, being able to compete because anytime they've they've looked good against these teams, they haven't been able to do it for 60 minutes. They've been coughing up big leads against all of those teams. So sure, 8-6-6, six, and six, above 500 in the playoff race, but is that going to play out once they start playing against tougher competition? Well, you just made the perfect note there. They haven't played 60 minutes against these teams. Now, I will argue in, in the fact of they've been competitive against... All of those teams. Competitive is one thing. You no, got to beat them. For sure. But yeah. I think that's more of a, like, it'd be one thing if they played all of those playoff caliber teams and got blown out. Like, sure. blown out. Again, you sure. have to play 60 minutes. There's no such thing as a moral victory. But right. how close they were to at least going overtime against Boston at TD, that has to be a sure positive, given how good Boston was. Yeah. They had Carolina. They were up 3 nothing against Carolina and couldn't close that. Again, major failure, but they started off really strong, had a 3 nothing lead. The Avalanche, if they don't blow it with allowing two goals in, what, 18 seconds to end the second period there, they're going to the third period with a lead against Colorado. So there's, def again, no such thing as moral victories, but they've definitely been in those games against good teams, which I guess should be a positive, but at the same time, good teams find a way to win those games, bad teams find a way to lose those games. And right now, the Islanders, again, when they had those leads and ability to show, hey, we are maybe we're struggling out of the gate, but we can measure up against those tough teams. We're just a struggling team, but we're still a playoff caliber team. They've dropped the ball every time. And here's the thing: the narrative changes yeah. if they play these teams later in the season and they beat them, yeah. because then you can look back on these games in the early going and say they stole some points from those teams early. They pulled yeah. some points out right because they were still losing an overtime shootout. You know, you got Minnesota again, the Devils, Carolina. They they grab points from those teams. So if they're able to get wins against them later on, then all of a sudden it looks a little more positive because even when they were losing to those teams, they were getting points. But look, if they if they face up, I mean, again, coming up later, Carolina, Devils, and whomever else, Florida. Florida, exactly. Going up against those teams and they drop those games and they lose those points, that's when it starts to look bad, where it's like this is a team who can't compete against the upper echelon of the league. And I think, you know, that just draws a lot of questions. I mean, obviously the standings will be the most telling, but if they're getting later on into the season and they're not getting any impressive victories, I mean, that's when Lou probably might start shifting his gears here and saying, I may not be adding to this team. You know, when we get to the de deadline, I might be looking to, you know, shed some salaries. I mean, we're not there yet, obviously. we got some months to go, but it's just something I'm keeping an eye on because it's it's the most stark thing that I've noticed through these first 20 games that they really haven't beaten anybody in note. And um, I guess before we break, let's just, talk, let's just look at their, the way they've been playing. I know you want to talk about the third line yeah. and also the special teams. Look, the power play has been turned around. 20 games is a nice sample size. Yep. Out of the blue, 22.2%. Uh, going into today, they were tied for 10th overall of Carolina. It's been so, worse. I'm, it's it's <laughs> absolutely been worse but on the flip side of that it's 70.3 percent 31st in the league the penalty kill has fallen off a cliff you said that they've been better this past week they killed four out of five which is nice but even after that 31st overall in the league I mean you lose Pellick that's obviously going to hurt big time is Riley going to be a guy who can step in and help out we'll see 
but the penalty kill obviously has to be improved. There needs to be a balance here. I mean, I'll even take the power play drop in a 15 to 18 if it means the penalty kill coming it's up like a towards 20. Right? Yeah, out. that's really where it is, right? So maybe touch on a little bit uh, of the uh, special teams, and then we can go into the lines. Well, again, we talked about it last week with the power play. It was, it was Dobson. Dobson's quarterbacking yeah. it, mm-hmm. and he's had the confidence. Both units have actually looked pretty good. And I think, again, the Barzal, the last couple of games, not that it's been concerning, but... He was playing so well for even during that losing skid. He might play probably some of the best hockey he's played. And um, it bleeds into the power play, the turnovers last night on the power play. Those are things that, not that it's lazy, it's just, again, the power play is something that Islanders need when they're not getting the five. I mean, they're getting the five on five goals. I think that's a sure positive. They're scoring five on five, and they're also not allowing a lot of five on five goals against. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the power play is a sure pause now with the penalty kill. Losing Pelic, I mean, Pelic did struggle on the penalty kill this year. I think Pelic and Pulak have really struggled on the penalty Mm -hmm. kill. But I don't think you ever want to lose Pelic, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think with the penalty kill, it's been more aggressive. I think this past week, it's definitely been more aggressive. The D zone structure has been better. But when we'll get to Sorokin later and the goaltending is, they're getting those big saves. When the teams, you know, they during that losing skid where they went fifty percent on the penalty kill, I forgot the exact numbers. Is when they need that big save, that that game saving save or whatever it was, mm-hmm. that went in. And again, everyone says it: your best penalty killer has to be your goalie. I'm not right. saying it's always on the goalie, right? Sure, but you're paying a guy a lot of money next year um, to to be the guy. <laughs> yeah. But you, you just needed those big save and big moments. I think that certainly helped the penalty kill this past week. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And I guess if you want, just go into the uh, to the lines a little bit here. Yeah. Talk about that third line you want to bring up. Yeah, starting with the third line, I think this was the biggest question mark. You knew the fourth line, if it was healthy, was going to be what it's going to be. Now, Matt Martin's not healthy right now. I thought Hudson mm-hmm. Fashing was great in the roles. And I thought Julian Godier actually last night was, was one of their best players. Um, I know there's not many best players out there last <laughs> night, but he was one of their best players. I think that line is fine. You know Horvat and Barzal would produce, and they've had showed great chemistry. Holmstrom has to find a way to bury. I, again, he's been good enough in certain areas, and defensive play is certainly why he's still there, but he's got to find the back end of that. Your perfection line has been really good still. Um, but then your third line was the big question mark, and I think it was Lee figuring out his game to unlock everything there. Mm-hmm. So this past week, this has been by far the best showing of this third line. It's Lee, Pajot, and Wallstrom. Yeah, they've looked pretty good. And I think Wallstrom is finding his game, which is huge. But 25-46 time on ice. They've outscored their opponents 3 to nothing. Outshot them 18-12. to 12. Lee had two goals this week. Wallstrom had a goal and an assist. Um, and Pajot, despite having every chance on the <laughs> planet to bury, he's not yeah, scoring, he's, but he's again, yes. he's doing... People aren't going to give him credit for it, which is just, you know, educated right. hockey fans, right? But it's um, he's doing those things to help that line at least produce. The goals aren't... Again, they were not... They didn't have a goal the whole week. That's Pajot playing a role in defensive zone face-off, neutral mm-hmm. zone face-offs. He's just defensive prowess Why he's on the penalty kill. But if Pajot scores, I mean, this is a line you could rely on to score because they're not yep. going up against the opponent's best defense when those are the top... The top six is getting that. So I think if the honors can unlock Pajot, and I think if he scores one, he'll score in bunches. It's the positive, and I said it on the space of the day, the positive is that he's getting all these chances. It'd be one thing if he wasn't in the right sure. place. Sure, I mean, he has to bury, don't get me wrong, right. but... At least he's in the. He's giving himself an opportunity to score those goals, and I think if one goes in, but yeah, this was the biggest key for me in terms of unlocking a four line offense. And um, right now, they're showing that Lee's found a home there, and he's finding what kind of game he has to play. Wallstrom's been incredibly confident, making moves with the blue line, getting pucks in, going on the forecheck, winning board battles. So, I think the third line's finding its game, and that's that's huge for this team going forward, especially when you lose guys like Pellick, where you're going to need more offense now, and hoping the defense could just hold on. 
Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, like you said, it's good to see Lee going a little bit now. He's got four goals, which is kind of up at the pack, which is good. I mean, Barzell's got five. So he went from yeah. off the board completely pretty much, and now he's kind of right there in the mix. And hopefully Lee gets on a roll. They, they need that from him, especially when you're just looking at the numbers here. They're, they're scoring 2.55 goals per game so far yeah. through these 20. They're giving up three. Obviously, that's a difference you can't have going through the rest of the season. Uh, Wally's starting to look good, too, as you said, getting a couple of points this week. I hope he gets a little more time with those guys. And uh, hopefully he finally breaks out because I feel like it's just we're, we're uh, you know, spinning the record here. Every time we come on the show, when's Wally going to break out? When's Wally going to break out? And, and hopefully this is it. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're looking good. So, look, I guess just final assessment here for the for the first quarter of the season. I mean, it's they're still looking a little mediocre to me. It, it, I mean, look, they needed to break out of that slump. Yep. They absolutely did. We'd be, we'd be saying much worse things right now if they didn't. Um, they have a winning record by NHL standards. They're in the playoff mix. They've shown flashes that, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they did turn it around. And we and we yeah. revert back to last year. We talked about that. They had a bad January. They have a great, you know, uh, end run to, to get into the playoffs. That's that's wonderful. But they haven't shown enough to me yet, but they, they still do have the squad, you know, that, that can still turn these turn this thing around, stay in the playoff mix, get a playoff spot. They're going to need Pallock back, or they're going to need these younger guys on the defensive end to, to step up and, and maybe Riley to help out there too. Yeah, my biggest question going forward would be the structure. How does it, mm-hmm. Again, when we spoke to Lane when Pellick got hurt the first time and missed a handful of games, and Ethan Sears, the New York Post, asked Lane, like, how much, do, I guess, do you have to change what you do? And he goes, nothing, nothing. But, again, losing Pellick long-term now, when he's a glue that holds this mediocre stru- structure together... Does he try to do a different thing with the system? Does he try to maybe do more of a run and gun? Again, he tried that last year. It didn't work. He resulted back. He reversed back to uh, mm-hmm. Barry Trotz though, but you can't do that now. Right. So I think right. um, I'm curious to see, again, with it being a Pelic wasn't out long-term earlier in this season, so there wasn't any reason to really change how you played mm-hmm. the dynamic. But now that he is out long-term, I'm curious to see how Lane yeah, goes about question. adjusting because, again, Luke gave Lane props, said, I trust everything he's doing, the way he handled yep. them during the streak, the way the players mm-hmm. reacted, you know, after getting out of that rut they were in. Right. Now it's time for Lane to show, you know, his cards. Like, hey, I'm not just a coach here that's just getting by. Like, I know the game. And right. maybe knowing this team for a while and having to deal with Pelic being out last year and how he navigated that, let's see what he does now with Pelic out because, again, it's a, it's a huge loss regardless of how – Maybe Pellick wasn't playing to his standards, and, and we'll see how the pairings all work out with Riley, how he fits in, how much, like you said, Dobson Romanoff. So this is coming up to a huge test, but this is going to prove right now how good are the Islanders. How good are the Islanders? A great question to end that on. We have a couple more segments to go. We've been running along here. We covered a lot of bases, and we're going to break. But before we do, I want to tell you about our friends at Isles Fix. Islanders Country, get your daily fix of Isles news, highlights, and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at islesfix.substack.com. Once again, you get an email in your inbox every morning, break down everything going on some pieces from Stefan, some pieces from Andrew, some pieces from Ethan, all those guys covering the New York Islanders that you know and love. So with that, we're going to take a break. I want to thank you once again for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. We'll be right back. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook. Or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere 
to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to FloredMedia.com for more information and email contact at FloredMedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. And now, it's time for What's on Tap, a look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. That's right, it is time for What's on Tap, and we are going to breeze through this one. We already pretty much teased it all night anyway, but... We'll, do, we'll go through it. Here we go. Tuesday, the Islanders go into New Jersey 9-9-1. They are currently 7th in the Metro. A surprise to all of us, but there is plenty of season to go. Thursday, they go into Carolina, who are now 12-8-0 after their win today, I believe. Correct. So they get a couple more points in the standings. And then Saturday, the Islanders go down to Florida, who going into day, today was 12-7-1, second place in the Atlantic Division. So a three-game roadie here against playoff caliber teams. Nice little test for the New York Islanders after my uh, soliloquy earlier about how the Islanders can't beat good teams. So, Stefan, what say you? This is the week to do it, right? This is the week to prove yeah, Sean man. Cuthbert wrong. No, <laughs> I, well, I think you look at all three teams and, you know, the Islanders know Carolina very well. The playoffs, they get to go back to Raleigh for the first time since the playoffs. So that's that environment, by the way, in Raleigh for the playoffs, deafening. And again, it, it reminded me of the Coliseum with just how loud it was. And I don't know how the fans are during the regular season. Mm-hmm. I will be at all three games this week, so I'm excited for that. There we go. Um, but we, the Islanders know Carolina very well. They know they got to stay out <laughs> sure of the box. Do. And that's the same thing, one, for every team in the league. But the Devils burned them on the power play the yeah, first man. time they met. Mm-hmm. Carolina's done it to them in the playoffs. Florida has got a power play, and you got to Matt Kachuk, just the guy's an absolute unit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for all these elite teams, you got to stay out of the box. you got to stay disciplined. And you have to find a way to be a structured team because, you know, Morial was talking about it where Jack Hughes drives plays. They're a fast team. The Islanders get caught flat-footed or lose their guy. They're gone. They're on a breakaway. They're on odd man rushes. And the Islanders, again, have to rely on their goaltending to win games. And, of course, you always need your goaltending to do well. But against these elite teams, this is why you pay goalies. You know, he was talking about it, uh, Morial, where, you know, they trusted. Do you just trust that one of these goalies gets hot in Vitek, Vanacek, or Akira Schmid? Or do you go and get that guy? Same thing with, like, you look at Vegas. Aiden Hill just got hot at the right time. Or Bobrovsky, where they're paying a ton of money to going to the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. the thing. A lot of NHL teams are like, do we pay the goalie? Or do we just hope that our average goalie behind a more structured defense in the playoffs gets hot? The Islanders paid Sorokin, which kicks in next year. Right. These are the kinds of games where you need your goalies to rise to those occasions and make those ridiculous saves and keep you in it. Now, people say, well, it's not fair to Sorokin. Like, that's his job. It's not Sorokin's fault that he's ridiculously good. It's how this team good. is built. It, but again, better or it's, worse. it's how the team's built. And yeah. quite frankly, it's what he, It's not that Sorokin didn't know that this is probably going to be what his future's like. <laughs> Taking <laughs> a lot know. of shots. Now, sure, does he want yeah. it to be a little more structured, more help? Of course. Sure. But when Sorokin's on his game, he can be that goal. We saw it last year, stealing games and against... These really good teams, when you're out without Adam Pellick, without Aha, where you have guys in the lineup that aren't used to it, this is when you need your goaltender to come up big. So you're going to need to see Sorokin, and, and if Varley gets any games this this week coming up, be catalysts in the reason the Islanders get not just points, but find a way to get wins. And yeah, these are tough teams, but again, good teams find a way to beat these good teams. Bad teams find a way to lose. And right now, like you said, they've blown pretty much every game they've had against good teams. Yeah. So right now, again, on a six-game point streak, I know, bad game last night in terms mm. of just the way they played a second of a back-to-back. 
Now's the time for the Islanders to really just make a statement. Yeah, that would be nice. But you're right. That This is the time to do it. I mean, is the season over if they, you know, throw some L's on the board this week? No, not necessarily. But, like, you know, it, it's going to get late soon. Yeah. You know, we keep saying it's early. We keep saying it's And now we're kind of getting to that point where late's coming soon. You know, they, they have that whole Thanksgiving mark where if you're in a playoff spot, your chances are, you know, sticking Which to the Which means playoffs. nothing, but yeah. Of course it does, of course. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're getting to a point where it's no longer early. I will see what happens. You know, we're starting to see what these teams look like. So it's time to turn around. It's time for this team to, you know, step up against some of these better teams. And if they get some leads, hold on to them. And uh, if they fall behind, crawl back like we saw them do last season. And it just occurred to me, the, the Islanders have been burned by two of the three uh, Hughes brothers in overtime this season. One by Jack, one by Quinn. Yep, so you know what time right. it is. So time Luke is Luke probably going to win on Tuesday. And I think Luke Hughes' first ever NHL goal was an overtime winner. Look at these guys. Look at those Hughes brothers. The genetics, man. Indeed. All right, so that was What's on Tap. We are now going to move on to Hero of the Week. When you hear this wonderful song, that means it is time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Blue Liner, featuring chicken cutlet, bacon, melted American Russian dressing on a toasted garlic hero. Stop on in to Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington this week for half off the Blue Liner. So with that, Stefan, who is your hero of the week? So yes, my hero of the week is Ilya Sorokin. I think, sure, he's made some game-saving saves early on in the year, but these last couple of games, he's looked like Sorokin from last year. Confident, out above his crease, tracking pucks through screens. He changed something in the way he plays through screens. I asked him after the game against the Flyers earlier in the week, and he said the biggest thing he was doing was looking side to side, and he looked the wrong way, get, get screwed essentially the other side. What he's doing now looking over the screen because he has the reflexes to make a move to his left or right the back back post play here or there but he's looking over and he's not a big goalie but he's tall and Vasilevsky is someone who really does this where he looks above that way he doesn't get you know any issues anywhere in front guessing what side he could see where the shot's coming from and it, and it certainly paid off he's got a goal saved above average at 5 on 5 of 11.17 it leads the NHL now that's 5 on 5 we know the struggles on the PK right the second closest at 5 on 5 is Hellebuck with a 7.62 wow Huge gap there. He stopped 34 of 36 in the 3-2 win over the Flyers earlier in the week. Stopped 40 of 40 last night, 3 out of 4 in the shootout. He became the 8th goalie to debut since 1929-30 with 18 shutouts prior to his uh, 150th career game. I mean, we know that shutouts and Sorokin are kind of a a tandem there, (laughs) but just the way he's playing, he's making those game-saving saves. He's, He's getting the Islanders points. And I'm not saying he didn't play good enough early on, but he's playing to the level that the Islander fans saw last year that got them into the playoffs. For sure, for sure. Great pick, great pick, Ilya Sorokin. And you know what? He's got to be the guy, like you said. He's, he's getting paid the big bucks next year, and that's where the team is built. So Ilya Sorokin, nice choice there. Thank you. So <laughs> I went a little abstract with mine. Okay. I went with the Islanders defense from the uh, Ottawa Senators game. Fair. But uh, I picked a representative because you kind of got to go with one guy. And that was Alexander Romanov. He had two assists. Multi-point games don't really happen a lot for that gentleman. So uh, I feel like he was a standout that night. Maybe that's something we'll see some more of with the increased minutes now with the injuries. But uh, I'm going with Romanov and the Islanders defense for the hero of the week. Yeah, he played over 30 minutes. 30-02. 30-02. Yes. And actually, funny not funny enough, but Lambert did bring up that he said that Romanov's jumped on the play more. Getting shots through. So you're you're Lane Lambert, essentially. You have the IQ. You're good. Some fans may not think so, but... <laughs> right in the enough. chat, guys. What do you think? <laughs> there we go. So there's your Heroes of the Week. Ilya Sorokin and Alexander Romanov. Remember, stop into the BLD Huntington location this week for half off the Blue Liner. And with that, we now go into questions 
Bruin. It's time for Questions Bruin. So go ahead. Ask, ask a, a question. question. Ask us a question. Ed, Jay, how we doing? Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Did. I did at least. I don't know about Jay. <laughs> I can't speak for Jay. Okay. Jay, I, I don't think Jay he really speaks for anyway. himself on the show. That's true. Well, he doesn't speak at all. Yeah. You know, we don't even know if he can talk. Yeah. <laughs> It's a mystery. He could, he could he chirp in the chat, though. Smiles and shakes his head and when he wants. Yeah, yeah. So, Ed, what's, what's going on, man? What's the latest? Well, the latest is I have this beautiful cookie with my name on it. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Little Edzo cookie. Ed, well, as it turns That's out, enough, yeah. I got one, too. You did? And it's got my name on it, too. My wow. name's Sean. There it is. Look at that. Gobble, gobble. What do you got there, Stephen? Yeah, my name is spelled... Cr- First off, shout out to these people because... Yes, these people. <laughs> <laughs> because no one ever gets my name right. And this... They Not did. even I do. He corrects Good me all point. the time. But they, they did, so kudos. Because one, the cookie's going to taste fantastic. And I'm obsessed that it got it right because... And it's not hard to get it right, but they did it, and it looks perfect. No, I mean, I see it happen all the time. I mean, group emails, and I see them spelling your name wrong. With my it's, name I get it. in the, the disrespect. It, yeah, the, and respect, but, respect. But uh, a big shout-out to Suter's Sweet Treats. Uh, wonderful, wonderful people over there doing a great job. They uh, make wonderful, delicious cookies, custom. You can place orders. Check them get out on Instagram. Suter's Sweet Treats, uh, wonderful people. They sent us this nice little care package here, and uh, we can't thank them enough. Very thoughtful of them. These Thanksgiving-themed Suter's Sweet Treats. So uh, can't wait to dive in to uh, a little cookie and milk later. It, yeah, the so, Islanders so, one they, they made last year were great. The, those the were, yeah, oh they God. sent us a great care package last year, too. Amazing. Yeah, they're, they're, they're so nice over there. Very sweet people. Uh, it's in the name, Suter's Sweet Treats. And wow. you also don't like, you don't want to eat it. it. It's too, it's like art. Right, you yeah. might just want to mount it on the wall. But it's worth it. Yeah, I'm going to put it's it on good. the fridge with mine. I'll just cut out the name part and just. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. go. So thanks once again. And now let's yes. get in to questions brewing. All right. Just to uh, go back around to the Hutton and Bolduc conversation. Sure. Uh, Joey Pickles had this to say earlier. He said, Hutton looked better than Bolduc to me. Any chance you see the Isles ride Hutton over Bolduc? Yeah. I think, again, <laughs> I think I think Bolduc last night, not that it was a final chance, but Hutton looked responsible enough, which he's always been stable, confident. Right now, that's what the Islanders need when they're missing a guy like a Pelic. But you're getting to the point where Bolduc has to go through waivers and you're like, oh, you know, second round guy coming into his own. He's right there. He's going to get it. He's going to get it. But like you said, gets late early. And if Bolduc's struggling this much, Giannis don't really have the room right now, especially with what they need right. to just be like, oh, he'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And again, he, if the Islanders want him to really figure it out, it's going to be playing minutes in Bridgeport and figuring things out. Now, could he get claimed? Sure, but right now the Islanders don't really, they can't rely on him being in the lineup because when they're short, he's unplayable. Well, at least for now, depending on how long Aho's out, they can keep him where he is. If they, they put have, Aho on IR. Because with Riley and Hutton there, well, you have, you have Martin on IR, right? Yeah. And you have, you have Pelican on IR. So right now, they should be able to stick with the 7D that they're going to have once Riley shows up. Yeah. So I'm sure they're fine there. They don't have to rush any, any waiver true. decisions right now. So they can, they can actually keep Bolduc up in the press box, and they can dress Hutton and Riley, and, and they're fine. That's which is probably what they're going to do, at least to start, because as you said, Bolduc hasn't looked well, and they're not in a position where they can just sputter points away because they've already done that already. So they, they need the guys in who's going to give them the best chance to win. And if Hutton's going to play, you know, one game isn't going to be the one that seals it. He's got to do this game in and game out. But yeah, I think Hutton played much better than Bolduc. I think Bolduc was one of the worst games he's played at the NHL level. It's tough to say because... Again, he's not playing a lot to jump back in. Like the playoffs we saw last year, it's tough for a young kid, but just he looked very nervous. He could not corral the puck. And 
again, when you're at the opponent's blue line, you have to hold a puck in. You can't have it come out all the time. Or you're behind your own net, you can't just turn it over because the Islanders already have issues getting out of the zone to begin with. And if you could bring in a stable guy like a Hutton who yesterday just did everything he could to quickly get the puck up, that's what he said. He goes, I'm just trying to get the puck to my forwards as quick as possible, do what he has to do. So yeah, I thought Hutton played much better. Next up from Mr. Tom Boyle, uh, he asks, do you see in the years to come for Dobson him winning the Norris Trophy? I mean, the way that Norris is uh, the definition of the Norris nowadays, which is offensive defenseman, right. yeah, I, yeah, I think it's definitely doable. It's doable. It's po- The only problem is the, the competition, you know, with yeah. the Adam Foxes of the world and the Quinn Hughes of the world out there. Like, Quinn Hughes looks like he's going to win the next 10 right now, you know, so nominated yeah. <laughs> will he win one uh i would say i wouldn't i wouldn't bet the over on that but i i certainly think he's he's worthy he'll he looks like he'll be a guy who will be worthy of the conversation if he keeps this production up and you know i guess as a bonus the uh the defensive play that he's been the showing bonus. as well yeah yeah because it doesn't count i mean when are they when are they going to bring awards. in when are they going to bring in a, an award for a defensive defenseman i mean it's their job i mean like that's their that's their job like eric carlson last year of course what he did with breaking 100 points right he wasn't as bad as on defenses the numbers showed but like gotta play defense <laughs> like that's, right. that's part like, of it l- exactly like it's it's is he the best defenseman because he put up a ton of points he was certainly the best offensive defense yeah they gotta make two awards cut the crap cut the crap cut the crap <laughs> all right and zeb09 asks when martin is healthy do they stick with fashing and or gotier mm, I, I mean lane's been pretty loyal to that line and and you know and they've been up and down we've we've highlighted some good games that they've had together martin sezikis and clutterbuck I would say, let's see how those guys perform while Martin's out. And I think that might might tell the tale of, of whether Lane rushes to bring Martin back into the lineup. Because if those guys are playing well, I, I think Martin would be a good soldier and wait it out in the press box until he gets a chance to get back in. My answer changed last night because the way Hudson was playing with, uh, with Cal and Casey, I was like, Martin's going to have a really tough time getting mm-hmm. that in. But the fact that whatever Lane wants to say is the reason why, mm-hmm. the fact that Lane took fashing out when that's kind of a line where they've really been helping on the forecheck and things like that against the back-to-back where you kind of want to get on the forecheck early, mm-hmm. showed me that Fashing isn't someone that's a lock in that spot, and they played Godier. So for me, when Martin's ready, if he's not, again, if Fashing wasn't good enough to stick in a back-to-back when the Islanders really needed to win last night, if they can get it mm-hmm. after what happened in Ottawa and just the craziness, mm-hmm. that kind of tells me that Fashing isn't a lock to stay in there and be that spark plug he was a year ago. So sure. I think if Martin's healthy, he probably goes back in. Okay. Next up from the one and only Trache19. <laughs> if the New York Islanders lose the next three games, which is likely, does Lambert <laughs> get fired? I mean, I, I'll have to update my uh, my graphic <laughs> that I've been throwing on Twitter. But uh, I don't I don't know. I, you know, you get look. Anytime a general manager is asked about their coach's status when they're struggling, they always give him that you know boost of confidence, right? They always say, "I stand by him." You know, he's he's our guy uh, and until he's fired, right, the next day yeah. or whatever it is. So you take what Lou said with a grain of salt, but at the same time, you know, they, they get a couple of wins here. I, I, look, I'm not definitively going to say that Lane's gone if they lose all three games. It doesn't get closer to that for sure because, again, it might tell us that a Lane Lambert coach team can't beat an upper echelon team in, in this league, so maybe. But um, obviously I'm hedging my bets here a bit. But uh, it's it's closer, and uh, I think I think if it, if it snowballs after that, then you're probably seeing something happen. I think it definitely matters how they lose these games. If they get blown out every game, sure, but mm. not that it's a built-in excuse. But you're without Pelic, you're without Aho. Mm. Riley's got to get situated. 
You know, all these things where that's kind of out of Lane's control now. He has to play with the roster that he has. And uh, let's say Riley doesn't do good. Let's say Riley struggles mightily. Like, that's not on Lane. You know, again, maybe it's not even on Lou picking him up and giving him a chance. But mm-hmm. I think you got to see how these games play out. I think I think Lane won't be. I think if Lane was going to get fired, it was during that road trip. And now it's going to be low well, Lane. I, Lou really liked how the Islanders kind of came out of the slump and how players are responding to him. So, again, it comes back to if there's a coach out there that he wants. That's what it comes down to. If, they, if Lou thought that there was someone out there that could have woken this group up much better than Lane and gotten a better response, he would have fired him. So I don't think it's exactly what the team does going forward. I think it's what the options are. Okay. Next up from NZEB09 once again. Have you agreed with Lane's move this season? He seems to be making moves just to make moves. No rhyme or reason. Line shakeups, uh, benching random players, etc. Well, I don't think anything that they do is random. Now, it might look like it to you guys, and I completely understand that, but we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. We don't know what... I mean, these are people, too. If there's an argument with Lane after a game, and he doesn't play, like, for example, we don't know what happened with the Engvall benching that turned into a scratch. Did Engvall mm. mouth off to Lane after the game? Again, we don't know. But there's a lot of things that happen where maybe Hudson Fashing said, listen, I'm not feeling great. And he wanted to get a rest. Like, sure. Lane's always going to back his players. But mm. maybe Hudson said, listen, like, I banged something up and then I can't give you 100% tonight. And they, that's why they made the move. So these or these line changes or Barzal coming out late in the game. I think the other day we, he didn't play the final five minutes. Oh, Lane benched. Barzal for defensive, like maybe Barzal tweaked something and said, Lane, like, I, I really can't. Like, I need I need to get to the medic table. Like, sure. don't play. We don't have no idea. So nothing's random, especially when Lou's at the helm. Everything he does is calculated. So I don't know if we all agree with the moves that he makes, but isn't it's not just him going, hmm, let me just do this randomly today and piss people off. Like, it's, there's, a, whether the reason's correct or not, there's a reason for everything. Right, and the unfortunate thing for Lane is a lot of these, uh, moves that, or adjustments that he's made that we've noticed have backfired and yeah. they haven't looked good, and that, that doesn't help. A fair assessment. Uh, Trache19, does Lou trade for a D-man, like from Calgary, or wait until Pellick returns? So we just talk, we spoke about this, and again, is could they go get Noah Hannafin? Could they get Zadorov? Now, I did write a piece about Hannafin and Zadorov. The one thing about Zadorov is he called out his teammates earlier in the year. Uh, I don't think Lou would bring in a player. That does that. Now I didn't I didn't really think about that until I really went back and listened and I okay. said, you know what? Like Lou's all about loyalty, team like the keeping way you deal with a team and, and keeping your mouth shut. Yeah. I mean we saw what happened with um uh who's the defenseman that wouldn't get the vax and then got sent to Oh yeah, Bodie uh, Wild. Wild. Like yes. when you talk or stuff. I mean Robin Sala, who, you know, last year had some things to say about being in Bridgeport and then we never we never saw Sal again, this is a guy like Lou who mm. it's all yeah. about the team. The team comes first, calling out your teammates probably didn't help his case. And my, that's probably why he's still in Calgary, honestly. There's other teams that go out there saying, it's fair why point. are we going to bring someone that's going to call out their own teammates? Right. With Hannafin, which is a right. bigger cap hit, again, go get Hannafin, sure. But Pellick's not out for the year, which means the Islanders have to clear five points, whatever it's going to have to be to activate Pellick back. So if you bring in a guy like Hannafin, you're going to have to move other pieces out if Pellick's ready to go. And that might, again... We saw how cap works when you're trying to move players. Every other team knows that if the Islanders go get a guy like that, that that Pelicans have to come back. So instead of it being a third-round pick to move a player, oh, now the price is split. You have to pair a first with that to move them. And that's how it works. That's how it works. So the Islanders have to be really smart um, with what they do. Again, if Pelic was out for the whole year and the playoffs, there's no cap. You're fine with that, and you figure it out for next year. But the fact that Pelic's not out for the year... The Islanders have to be really smart with how they go about this. Well, how about this? If the Islanders do make a move for the defense, and that pr- might indicate that Pellick's going to be out for a while. A while, sure. Then that's fine. But let's say it is a r- broken wrist. 
which is what it looked like. I'm not a doctor, but that's what six to eight weeks, eight to ten weeks. But mm-hmm. again, that's not season ending. If it's season ending and his arms falling off or whatever, like then the Islanders are going to make a move because they can, and they'll worry about the the cap in the off season. But I just don't see him being out long, like the whole entire year. And if that's the case, they have to be really smart with their cap space. Ed. Next up from aisle 72. Would you sign Patrick Kane if he wanted to come here and play on the first line? Depends what he wants. I heard <laughs> that I heard that he wants a multi-year deal. Obviously, he, he wow. played the numbers there were with the uh, the Rangers weren't terrible. He just didn't seem to fit into that group. Mm. Now, I, I I was told by a, a close source that he did not want to come to the Islanders at the deadline last year. Could he really help this top line? 100%. Like this is kind of the guy they've been He's a guy like Barzal who he doesn't possess the puck, but he's sneaky playmaking, but he likes to finish. You know, he does oh, yeah. finish. He's yeah. finished. He scored some huge goals uh, throughout his career and is a goal scorer. So does he certainly help that top line? 1,000%. Does he want to be here? How much is the cost? Again, they have the cap space now. But does Lou say, you know, could Patrick can really help the offense? Sure, but now we really need defense help. You know, you got to teeter what, what's the options are. But if Patrick Kane wants to come here at uh, $1.5 million or anything under really 5.75 or 4.75 with Riley being here on a million... For sure, but it, it sounds like all the teams that are in on him, the Islanders aren't being talked about. Now, that's that's how Lou operates, but I feel like you'd hear the Islanders as a team, and you haven't heard that. I would think the combination of factors of teams that are lining up for and Kane is, is willing to go to, that coupled with just how these teams are going to adjust their caps yeah. to, to fit him and their rosters, the Islanders probably aren't the top of the list of that like winning combination. There's probably another team that's able to make those work Florida. before the Islanders can. So whether he wants to come to the Islanders or not, I think that's ultimately what's, what's going to end up happening is somebody else just kind of like wins that race, if you will. Next up from DTMR 0729. When does JG score a goal? <laughs> it's it's got to be coming right at this rate. I mean, the chances are there, and people again, it's it's tough when you could tell on social media who watches the games and who watches the stat line because yes, Pajot has to score. Mm-hmm. I, I, he can't have a zero. He can't be doing that. But <laughs> again, the reason that he would still have value at the deadline, or he'll, he still has value to this team, is what he does. Away from the puck. You can't deny what he does in the defensive zone faceoffs. Yes, the PK struggled, but when the PK is going, it's usually because Pajot is winning those D draws or the plays that he's making. The way the third line's playing right now, Pajot's helping. That there's no you can't mm. look at that line and say, well, Pajot's done nothing to help that. Mm. All those chances are coming because of something that Pajot did. Whether it was a quick pass in the neutral zone, whether it was botting off somebody or stripping the puck, or just filling a lane right. you know, up the ice. So again, he has to score, but to say that he has no value or that he's not doing anything is just again you're not wa- you're not really watching that part of the game. He'll get one on Thursday against Carolina, and if he doesn't, I'm wrong. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Next up from MJ Beckman is Ticey for Durando the hockey trade for Lou, uh, that Lou has been promising the last two years. I no. no. I mean, it's like the, it's interesting because it's not a it's not one of those like straight up. AHL guy for AHL guy trade where like you never hear or see from them again after the trade is made like these are guys that are teetering on the brink that may or may not crack the lineup for for a game here game there or maybe further on their career so like to that to that question no but at the same time like could these guys make a difference on the respective teams that they were traded for yeah sure maybe one day yeah the trade that Lou makes is like for Bo Horvat or Pierre Engvall like yeah big t- like and that's what he's going to try to again Takes two to tango. He's going to probably try to do that at the deadline if the Islanders are into it. But this this seemed like a deal where two players weren't getting the opportunities where they were or enough of the opportunities, different skill sets, and they swapped. Got one more? Uh, yeah, we'll do one more from Enzeb. I like this one. 
When do we see the Horvat and Barzal line dominate like we've been told they would? Tired of about hearing how good uh, about good chemistry. I'm glad that we're ended on this question because I actually meant to ask you, Stefan, about how you thought the first line was performing through the first quarter of the season. Uh, again, we go back to chance. Like we talked with Pajot, is the chances have been there, uh, which shows again chemistry only matters if it goes in the back of the net. Now. There have been stretches where they have put the puck in the back of the net, but I think there's more to give. Lula Amarillo did say, and he did clarify, so I want to make that clear. He said that there's more to give. Horvat and, and Barzal have more to give. And then he was asked, you know, what are they not doing? He goes, it's not that. They've been playing well. It's that he's not going to give the satisfaction to his players that there's enough. There, There's always more that every player can give. And I think, again, Barzal was playing some of the best hockey of his, of his career, I think. It hasn't been great the last couple of games. Horvat had a huge chance in overtime that got stopped. Everyone said he missed the net. I said that he missed the net. Upon replay, Ursa made a great save with the stick. But, yeah, again, you're paying two guys over $8 million to put the puck in the back of the net. And with how well they played together in preseason and early on, like the Islanders need that because they can't rely on just this second line to carry the offense. They have to find a way to score. So the question is when is, like, I wish Fortune Telling was on my resume. It's not. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, they have to figure out a way to get it to work because these guys are being relied upon financially and the team's relying on them to figure it out and they have to start being more of a consistent scoring line, especially when the top defensive players in the other team are now going up against the second line rather than them. And I think Holmstrom obviously plays a huge part in that. Whether people think he's a, a fit on that top line or not mm-hmm. is there's no question that he's had as much chances as Horvath and Barzal has to bury, and, and he hasn't at the at the rate that he kind of needs to be on a, a top six in the NHL. And, and Holmstrom has the same amount of goals as Barzal now. Yeah. They both got five. So he's he's right there with them. And and we've seen flashes of what that line can do, what Barzal and Horvat can do. Uh, you had a couple of shots that ended up in the logo of the goalie's chest every now and then. And the scouting report on Urson last night must have been stick side because yeah. Bar, uh, Horvat went twice there. He, he shot wide, I think. How many uh, tried there? Paul Mary did too. Yep, yep, and they just they just couldn't hit the mark. But but yeah, the shooting percentage is, is one thing that uh, probably could improve. But look, I think I think these guys they've shown enough flashes to me where I think the more they play together, the better they're going to be. And and look, you know, take this with uh, you know, it's worth absolutely nothing. But I do feel good about this road trip. I think they're going to pick it up. Well, well, it's it's worth nothing. But I think that they're going to. Well, it is worth nothing. That's true. <laughs> it's worth yeah. absolutely nothing. Listen, if if the third line I think plays the way they've played. The second line keeps doing what they're doing, and the defense, and they get great goaltending. They don't need everything to click. They just need enough things to click, and these are going to be grinding wins if they get the wins. I'll accept it. I don't think they're going to blow games, and it doesn't matter. A win's a win, especially when you're down the guys that they are. It's just battle, get to win in regulation, or or get a point in overtime and and go there, because you just got to build points against these good teams. Build points. The time is now to beat some good teams, so that's questions brewing. Thanks to everybody for getting your questions in. If we missed yours, we'll try to get to them next week. Let's hit that music. So, folks, want to thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers. A big thanks to Mike Morial of NHL.com for joining us. And, of course, a huge thanks to our wonderful sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Remember, check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. Also, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. And, of course, a huge thanks to Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law. Nobody likes going to court, but if you have to, call 516-742-7600 for a free consultation. And, of course, thanks to Jay and Floored Media here at Rockville Center for letting us put on this wonderful show. Are you booing him, Ed? Oh, that's terrible. 
That's terrible. Be nice. Be nice to Jay. But yeah, thanks everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Stefan Rosner. Stefan, where can we find you on the interwebs and social media? Yeah, so you can find me at S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days, NHL.com. And the hockey news, you can find me on the road the entire week. Way to put that cookie to good use. You can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and wherever else. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Rate, review, subscribe. Let's uh, let's get the audience going here. Let's get the chat going. Jump in live. Hang out with us on Twitch. I know Sunday nights are tough during foosball season, but uh, when you can, jump into the show for Stefan, for Ed, for Jay, for Jake the Snake Roberts. We've been Hockey Night New York. We'll see you next time.